0: yo what's going on with y'all it's your boy convo with marlo today as you can see it i have a very special guest with me here today who do i have the pleasure of being here with Chris Skye, everybody, how are you? This is crazy, Mr. Sky. What is going on, first and foremost? Well, you know, you caught me the day before
1: I'm about to head back to Toronto. We're gonna be full steam ahead for the mayoral campaign election. Is crazy. Yeah, we're that gonna be crazy. replacing John Tory. We're gonna be, I believe I'll be the youngest mayor that Toronto ever had when wow. we win. And I say when, because I know we are gonna win. Jeez. No one's gonna run a campaign like us. I'm the, I'm a totally different candidate than all the other candidates. Uh, and they're just not going to be ready for me. They're really scared, obviously. You've oh. seen what they've been doing <laughs> the past few days to me. I-, I thought John Tory was already kicked out. He is. You know, he is. That's why I said I'm going to be replacing him. Someone's uh, going to be replacing him. It's going to be me.
0: Because I, I, I'm not, I don't really do too much about, I don't know too much about Toronto, but what I've seen is that there's, there's a lady in I in I don't remember what her name is, but for the, for the meanwhile, there's a lady that's in office. Yeah, there's an interim. Oh, okay, okay.
1: But there's, there's really nobody that's actually mayor. After, uh, on April 3rd, you become eligible to become a candidate. So I made my appointment last night. So for April 3rd at 2 p.m., I'm going to be going there, and I'll become an official candidate. Funny enough, Jeez. this morning when I woke up, I got an email confirmation that my appointment had been canceled. Wow. So I called Elections Toronto and said, what the hell? They said, well, it wasn't done by us. It was, must have been somebody else. I go, I go, well, no one has access to my email. So on the phone with them, we put it back on, and then five minutes later, it was canceled again. Jeez. So we found out that because my phone number is public, 416 400 4 and I'm pretty sure I'm the only candidate that's going to have their phone number public, and that's because I believe a public, service, uh, public servant should be accessible to the public. But I didn't know, that's all you need. You need my name and my phone number, and you could go on the Elections Toronto website and cancel my appointment. Wow, so, it's that easy. It's that easy. So uh, I ended up getting it re-done, and they put a, they put a, a special phone number this time, so no yeah. one will know what it is, and they won't be able to cancel it this time. But they've been trying everything they can to stop me from running. Uh, as you can see, the last three years, they've been doing everything they can just to try and stop me from speaking out. Yeah, yeah. I've been arrested 26 times. <laughs>
0: uh, How but, do you keep track? Who's keeping track for you?
1: Well, it's like keeping score. Squ- Score, right, you got it. When it's like when at first you're like, okay, I got arrested. Then you're like, fuck, I got arrested twice. And you're like, okay, three times, four times. So you trust me, you keep track. crazy. And then by the time you're at 26, it's just like it's a joke at that point. Especially when I, I'm 39 years old now, I have no criminal record whatsoever. So, as you can see, so how do you get
0: arrested 26 times with no criminal record? Because they're charging
1: you with frivolous, politically motivated charges that won't hold up in court, pretty much. Most of the time, they'll drop the charges right even before it goes to court, but it still lets them arrest me, still lets me have to make bail, still lets them be able to put all kinds of conditions on me, wow. still lets them make me look bad in the friggin' news media. For the last year and a half, I haven't even been able to drive. Yeah. Two years almost now, and I'm finally gonna get acquitted on March 28th of that one. But they've been doing everything they can to stop me. But the reality is, just like with COVID, just like with climate change, they can't stop you. They can't force you, but they can coerce you to make you do things yourself. Mm. Like they can't stop me from running, but they can try to do it, make it so hard for me that I just give up and don't do it. Yeah, and that's exactly what they're trying to do. I already had a message sent to me from Elections Toronto threatening me. Because, as you know, uh, election campaigns have a lot of expenses. Oh, yeah. And there's a lot of expenses that have nothing to do with the election campaign. For instance, I still have a mortgage to pay. I still have fixed expenses. And I'm not going to be able to work for those three months. So we were going to have, and we have uh, other volunteers that are in the same position. They're going to be working for me full time. They have a very special skill set, so it's not like I can just replace them with anybody. Mm -hmm. But they also have families. They also have fixed monthly expenses that need to be paid. And these aren't, like, salaries that need to be paid to them, but these are money that they need to survive. So for things like that, these are basically personal expenses and extra expenses. So we're eligible to be taking donations and things for that by the law and by the rules. So I was going to do a dinner on April 1st. And it was called a pre-campaign mayoral dinner. Mm -hmm. And people were supposed to donate. And the money that was made was supposed to go to those personal non-election expenses and create the atmosphere so we'd be able to have our campaign. Mm -hmm. And it's completely legal. And it's completely within the rules. But that didn't stop Elections Toronto from messaging me and stating that they know it's legal and within the rules, but because it's a so-called gray area, they would still use it as a jump off point for an investigation against me to try to disqualify me as a candidate and to even try to have me thrown in prison for six months, alleging that I would at least use some of that money for my campaign. So to follow the rules and to make sure they wouldn't be able to stop me before I started, I complied. I moved my, I moved my party to April 16th knowing that I'm going to be a candidate by April 3rd. That way, I'll be an official candidate. It'll be an official fundraiser. Now people will be eligible for big rebates on the tickets, up to 70% off on the tickets once they pay the money. So it worked out in my favor, so I thought. Then we got arrested a couple days ago, as you saw. And I say we because they arrested my wife as well. For the audacity of showing up to Edmonton Airport when we had a prepaid reservation. And we'd actually flown three days in a row already on the same airline. And when we got there, the airline tried to pretend like they couldn't verify my credit card, even after we called Visa and had Visa verify it on the phone in front of them. And when RCMP showed up, the first officer was actually quite uh, professional and courteous. And my wife was sitting down uh, in a chair, and she was videotaping me. Uh, on a live for my safety and for our security. And then a second officer showed up from the RCMP uh, by the name Corporal Donald Smith. And I only know his name because I already have an active complaint out against this officer. So for him to show up was already unprofessional and unethical. And then when he noticed that we were filming and he noticed that I recognized him, he went over to my wife, assaulted her, took the phone from her noticed it was going on Instagram Live, thought he was being smart and stopping it from streaming and deleting the stream so he could delete the evidence, not knowing that my fans had already video uh, screen screen recorded recorded it and sent it to me. So we still got him posted online, and and then they had us banned from Edmonton Airport for life, knowing that it's the airport closest to where we were staying and knowing it's the airport I was trying to use to get back to Toronto. So they were trying to stop me from getting to Toronto for my election. Then the very next day... <laughs> There's more? Oh, yeah. After we got out of jail and after we got our ban, I got a call from the old mill where we had uh, made our, our, our venue for our, our thing on the 16th. And these people, they when we went there... They were applauding everything I do. They knew I started a nonprofit called Back to Work at the beginning of the pandemic to help small businesses like the old mill that has a hotel, restaurant, and banquet hall stay in business. And they said, we applaud everything you're doing. We'd be happy to have your event here. And then all of a sudden, I got a phone call from them that I couldn't have my event there. Damn. Then I got an email. This one is my personal favorite. Uh, Because people try to pretend, especially the media, they try to pretend like I'm a nobody and I'm not even a serious candidate so they don't have to talk about me. Meanwhile, I got another lawyer's letter from Goodman's Law, which is the largest law firm, one of them in Canada. And it's the official law firm for the Conservative Party of Canada. And they were messaging me on behalf of Pierre Polyevre and his wife. And he's going to be the next PM, in my opinion. So when the PM of the country is going out of his way to get his lawyers to send me personal messages, it kind of goes to show that not only do they know who I am, but they're vastly threatened by what I represent. And he wanted me to shut up. It was a cease and desist letter. And they wanted me to actually make a video retracting uh, comments I made about his wife. And I can tell you what we were talking about, and it's called uh, Switch Health. Have you heard of Switch Health? No, I have not. Everyone needs to know about Switch Health. Switch Health was a company started in 2018. They want you to believe it was started by two 20-something-year-olds with no money and no connections. In reality, it was started by different members within the Conservative Party including people like Jordan Paquette, who was part of uh, public health and part of Stephen Harper's government, even working with the World Economic Forum. Uh, And it's all on his LinkedIn. And he is now a big man at Switch Health. Rona Ambrose, who's also in the Conservative Party, she's part of Switch Health. And then you found out that Switch Health was actually funded by a man named Callan Rovinescu. He was the head and CEO of Air Canada a company that got 1 billion almost 1 billion of our tax dollars for a bailout. After this guy got his company bailed out, he gave we don't even know how many millions to Switch Health to fund this company in 2018, and then he gave Air Canada all the business to Switch Health, and then he retired from Air Canada and became the senior strategic advisor of Switch Health. So, if that's not bad enough, somebody use a private citizen using potentially taxpayer uh, money to fund a startup for a private corporation that's littered with government operatives, well, then Switch Health ended up being the company that was responsible for importing all the COVID test kits mm-hmm. for North America for job testing and for travel testing. So, this company that was started by the conservatives in 2018 that got funded by money that probably came from a taxpayer bailout was now getting hundreds of millions of dollars in government contracts. So if that wasn't bad enough, uh, you've heard of ChatGPT, the the AI robot. Okay, so we were trying to do some more digging on Switch Health. So we typed in Anita Polievra, Pierre Polievra's wife, because it had been alleged that she had been somehow connected to this company way back when, and nobody really knows where she came from, except that she comes from an aristocratic uh, Venezuelan family, very, very wealthy. When you put her name into ChatGPT, and it's funny because if you put her name, an Anna or an a because she goes by two names, into any search engine, there's no results prior to 2022. Mm. If you find something from 2021, it just mentions her in passing. It's an article about her husband. Meanwhile, this Chat AI robot pulls up articles from 2020 that have since been scrubbed from the internet. It has Forbes, CTV News, BBC News, Global Newswire. Sheesh. And it says the headlines and the names of the articles. And it alleges that Ana Polieva was a CEO and a shareholder of Switch Health. But all these articles now, if you click on them, it says forbidden 404 can't be found. So their lawyer threatened me and said, if I don't print a retraction, and they didn't say anything about everything else I said about Switch Health that I just told you, yeah. just the connection for Anna uh, Polieva, yeah. Pierre's wife. So I said, you know what? I called the lawyer and I had a conversation with him, just like I'm talking to you. I didn't go through a lawyer. I talked face-to-face with their lawyer. I said, I'm going to send you the evidence I have that made me make the statement. And I sent them the video of us typing her name in the chat robot and it showing all these different articles that she's associated with the company. And I sent that to the largest law firm in Canada representing our next prime minister of Canada with the little caption, if you can explain this, I'll happily make a video retracting my statement i haven't heard back in two weeks wow. but then i did get arrested just a couple of days after telling them that so if you think this is all coincidence and not involved including them canceling my appointment when i just made an appointment to to go in there it's not this is all targeted they don't want people to think that i'm not really running they want people to think i'm not really serious and then when i am running they're going to do everything they can to try to ignore me in the media to make it people seem like there's only the choices that they represent And in reality, that's not going to work either because we're going to be running a very special campaign. Uh, I'm going to be living with my entire campaign team. Yeah, I remember hearing about that. And that's including a cameraman. And that's also for our safety because we've been told that our safety, personal, uh, physical safety is in question, especially my wife and I. And on top of that, we don't want them to try to frame us with anything because I've already been framed many times with charges and other things that I had to fight off. And we just want them to be able to hold us accountable, and we want to show the public how people react to us when we're just walking around and doing our thing because they're going to try to pretend in the media that no one likes us, no one knows who we are, no one cares about us. Meanwhile, the people are going to see that every single place we go everyone's going to want to talk to us. Everyone's going to want to take their picture with us. Everyone's going to tell us they want to vote for us. So the perception that the media is going to present is going to be 100% alternate to reality. And thankfully, people uh, have come to terms with that because the last three years, the media has done nothing but lie to them. The government has done nothing but lie to them. The medical establishment has done nothing but lie to them. But me... I've done nothing but tell them the truth. Mm -hmm. So who are they going to believe at this point? The lying media, the lying government, and the lying medical establishment, or me that has been nothing but telling the truth? And I'm also in a unique position. None of these other candidates have the experience I have. Mm -hmm. People look at me and they say, oh, he's only 39. John Tory was 68. So what kind of experience do I have that he didn't? Well, how many of these people actually know about planning and development, Mm -hmm. which is going to be a bedrock of the mayor's campaign, especially now that they're trying to introduce this whole new phase of development they're calling 15 Minute Cities. Yeah, That is an entire overhaul of all the different planning and development policies that have been in place the last 20 years and what has my job been the last 20 years? Planning and development and building so not only do I understand it I was in a unique position where I was working in the private sector in development which meant I had to work with the government every single day from the private sector With budgetary constraints and timelines to worry about when in the public sector, they don't have to worry about any of that. So being able to cut through their red tape and work within their bureaucracy and still adhere to my timelines and my budgetary constraints, it shows that I can do what none of the other candidates can. I can work within the government, within the public sector, and I can do it efficiently, yeah. and I can adhere to budgets, and I can adhere to time constraints. They can't. They also don't have the ability to understand when they look at a blueprint for a 15-minute city, when they look at a traffic study for a 15-minute city. They don't know what they're looking at. Mm-hmm. I do, and I understand the implication that it's going to have on mm-hmm. society today and further down the road, and that's why I know how dangerous it is. Man. I'm the only candidate that's going to be calling these things out. Jeez. I'm the only candidate that's going to be calling out the globalists. I'm the only candidate that's actually going to be reachable by the people, accountable mm-hmm. to the people, transparent with the people.
0: I could tell um, when you say uh, you're the only uh, type of person that the people could reach out to. That's not a lie because I was watching the podcast episode with X, X Low City. I can't remember. Trent Out Loud. The Trent Out Loud podcast. Um you said your phone number on it. So I'm like, you know what? Let me let me give it a try. Let me try to call this phone number. I call it on the very last ring you pick up. I'm like, no way, this is him. Well, um, I talked to you for about another 30 seconds. Come to find out that it really is you. And, and it's crazy to think that, like, you actually put your phone number out there because that's something unheard of. That's something. The best thing you could do to try to contact someone of your status is email. Or you got to know someone that they know and hope to God that they inform that person that you're trying to get a hold of them. And that's
1: why and that's why all these so called public servants are full of crap because they put all these insulating layers between them and the actual public they're supposed to serve on purpose. So they make it next to impossible for a person to reach them. I'm the complete opposite because I actually <laughs> serve the people. So if you have a specific problem, I don't care who you are. I want you to be able to reach me. And I will answer. You can ask my wife. I'll answer like 22 hours a so, day.
0: So if, if you do serve the people, why, why do so many people – well, this is what I see online. Why do so many people always feel so attacked by you? Some <laughs> of the things you say are – Oh, this isn't right. Oh, he he hates this type of people. Why, why is that always what I'm seeing? The vast majority of that is fabricated in lies because they
1: can't argue with what I say. They can't debate truth with lies. So what do you do? You slander the truth teller. What do you slander him with? You call him as many bad names as possible and hope it pisses off that certain demographic. So I'm called a racist, a white supremacist, uh, uh, anti-Semite, an Islamophobe. Anti-LGBT. Mm. I'm called every bad label that they've created over the last 20 years because they figure that every single bad name they call me is going to piss a certain amount of people off. So if you call me a bad number enough names, you're going to piss off enough people. The reality is, if anybody talks to me for two minutes, they know that's all BS, yeah, and they know yeah. it's complete bullshit. So
0: you think it's one of those, if they don't have a story, they'll make one?
1: That's exactly what they do, and that's exa- And then I don't have any skeletons in my closet, so they do things like, for instance, there's another gentleman with the same name. My real name is Christopher Sokocha. Mm. My name, Chris Sky, comes from my company, Sky Homes, which is the development and design corporation that I've worked for my entire life. So everyone's been calling me Chris Sky since I was 15. But there's another gentleman with the exact same name as me, Chris Sacocha, from Mm -hmm. Toronto. He's four years older, has a different birthday, and he has a very long and scary sounding criminal history. Mm. So people like to pretend that that's me and like to pretend that I have a criminal record. If I had a criminal record, I wouldn't even be able to run for mayor, first of all, in the first place. So it's complete bull. I wouldn't have had the guns that the government already confiscated from me if I had a criminal record. But it doesn't stop people from proliferating this. Mm -hmm. So people make up stories, people make things up all the time. I've had people make up fake tweets photoshopped pretending like they're quotes of mine fake Facebook things that are quotes of mine it's all bull because they don't have anything real and the last thing they want is for people to listen to what I have to say so how do you stop people from listening to what I have to say you tell them a whole bunch of bad things about me so they have an internal bias so they simply won't listen if I talk Mm. and that's what they're going to try to do with the election the last thing they want is me getting on that debate stage Cause I will absolutely eviscerate all those people with their little ear pieces and their handlers and all the notes they have to take. I'll be up there like this. I won't even need a microphone for me or that's how I am. And you know why I can do that? Mm. Cause for two reasons, number one, I know exactly what I'm talking about. And number two, all I do is tell the truth. So I don't need to think about what I say. It just comes from here. It comes from the heart Mm. and people realize that that's why I've been able to speak in a what, 11 or 12 countries so far around the world? I'm invited to international conferences. In fact, even during my mayoral campaign, they called me to Brussels, Belgium, to sit in at parliament on May 2nd and then address the people on May 3rd. See, isn't
0: it it crazy that you think someone who gets so much hate, someone who has hate, hate for other types of people, would be getting invited to different countries to speak in front of different types of people. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if the internet is saying... The type of person you are is really true. How are you getting the opportunity to do all these types of things? How am I here with you right now? Exactly. How did I treat you when you called me? Did I treat you like anything but with respect? No, sir. Nothing but respect. Thank you. It's crazy because um, I had a few friends. Usually whenever I'm doing podcast interviews, I never let other people know who's coming on because I just feel like I'm jinxing it. I'm a firm believer in jinx. If you speak too much on it, something's bound to happen. someone's going to give you bad energy and try to sabotage There you you. go, evil eye. So basically, when I was telling these guys that I was having Chris Sky on, they're like, hold on. You mean like the Canadian version of Andrew Tate, or you mean you know? They, I'm they, definitely not the Canadian version no, of that, Andrew Tate. That, that, that especially
1: after I saw him. Sorry, I gotta cut you off here because I don't want to be associated with Andrew Tate. After I saw him make that video where he said he would rather have sex with a tranny than an old lady if yeah. the tranny looked like Megan Fox, just push the penis aside and have sex with it. Sorry, I do not agree with that. Uh, I, I'm sorry. That's no, just no, no, something. That, uh, no, so I do just, not want to be associated with that
0: it's, at all. It's funny. It's just funny because um, when again when I was telling. I, like I like I just told you, I'm not usually the type to let people know who's coming on next. But when I told them that I was having you, they're like, "Oh, you're gonna lose followers. You're gonna lose. You're gonna lose this. You're gonna lose that. Um, he's gonna talk about things that's bound to get you banned." And I'm like, and I'm just telling. Uh, I was I was just saying where, hey, I've never had someone on that speaks this much truth. So if that's the case, I'd love to have him on. Whatever follows follows, because the thing is, I've had many people on. I've had hundreds of people on with the two years that I've been doing this, and they always. They always have a limit where they can speak so let's say how much money do you make a year they leave that out but i know i know for damn sure if i asked you you give me you'll give it to me down to the penny i'm not gonna ask that but i just know what with, with that's just the, I, just I, the vibe I, that you're giving me, i have a weird I, I
1: have a weird i'm kind of morally obligated to tell the truth and do the right
0: thing and that's, and that's why- weird because you don't run into people uh that usually uh the types of people you really run into is like um they would give you like 60 of the truth and omit the rest you is like 100%, which is crazy because, again, you're not used to that type and of thing. And they ask the other reason I'm abrasive to some people. Because, number one, it's like you said, they,
1: they just try to slander me as much as possible to make it so people won't listen to me. Mm-hmm. Then a lot of people that do listen to me, some can't handle it because the truth is blunt. The truth is harsh. The truth is unrelenting. And the it. truth is not something a lot of people are ready to hear or want to hear. Mm-hmm. And by far and all, the truth is offensive. So... But do I feel bad offending people by telling them the truth? If you're offended by the truth, it means you're living a lie. Mm. And if you're living a lie, that means you have to come to terms with whatever lie you're telling yourself that you're accepting. And once you do, and once you get over that, now you can start living a real life. And they and they use that trick on literally the vast majority of the population. Everybody knew what was going on with COVID was wrong. The vast majority of people knew that the mask wasn't helping them. The vast majority of people knew closing their business wasn't helping them. The vast majority of people knew that the jab didn't work after they take three of them and they're still getting sick. Well, people like me that won't take any... And we're traveling all over the world to five different continents through dozens of airports, hugging and and holding on to hundreds of thousands of people. How come I didn't get sick and die? If COVID was so deadly and COVID was so dangerous and masks were so important and vaccines were so important, how come the so-called anti-masker, anti-vaxxer that did more traveling than all of you put together and talked to more people than anybody else on the planet that I can even think of in many places didn't get sick ever?
0: So what I want to ask you then is, to to the people that did pass away to covid uh what what do you have to say to that well the vast majority of people that passed away
1: from covid were people that were like over 70s these were people that were already sick these were people that were already but there dying. there have to be some cases where of course there were with, are, of course there were age. cases there's cases of people dying everywhere does that mean that we should have shut down society for it does that mean we should have forced people into taking a jab and wearing a mask before – or get fired from their jobs? Does that mean we should have shut people out of restaurants and gyms and stopping them from traveling all for the so-called greater good? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. And we have perfect examples because they try to pretend like there's no examples anywhere in the world to uh, to compare the jab versus the unjab, the mask versus the – of course there is. There's a country called Haiti. It's got 11.4. That's what I was going to get to you about it. Yeah. And I call it a shithole country because it's a poor country, not because it's a black country. North Korea is a shithole country. It's an Asian country. Does that mean all Asians are, are, are come from shithole countries? No. They happen to have a shithole country because they have a corrupt government that's wasteful and steals the money from the people. And Haiti was the same thing for years and years. So Haiti, and I call it a shithole country because if you look at uh, what they call pandemic response, and if you look at their so-called healthcare system, it's rated at the very low end of the spectrum. <laughs> And so their their pandemic response was considered very low end of the spectrum and their healthcare system is considered third world or worse. Meanwhile, what happened with their covid? How many people died in Haiti? Do you know? I don't I don't have an
0: exact number but I, I know it
1: wasn't high. I know the exact number. It was under 900. Exactly. Yeah. Under 900 in a country of 11 and a half million people. How many of them are vaccinated? I couldn't tell you. Less than 10%. So with 90% unvaccinated, no mask mandates, no travel restrictions, no business closures, and only 10% of their population vaccinated, out of 11 million people, they had less than 1,000 people dead. But in Canada, with our first world health system and our top tier pandemic response, we had 75% average vaccination, almost 95% wearing masks, business closures, all kinds of other restrictions, travel restrictions. And we had, what, 50,000 COVID deaths? So- who did better, us or Haiti? Haiti. And thank you. And we no, can look at Africa. Africa is a whole continent, fifty-four countries, same rates, ten percent vaccination rate, no mandates, no travel restrictions.
0: Five 500- hundred. No, what I what I do have Sorry to cut you off. What, go ahead. what I do have to say is, because right now, like my 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 whole background is Haitian. I, I'm the only one that's from Florida. My my family, my whole family's from background. Don't you think when you say something like that, like Haiti's a shithole, the first thing. The first response of someone like me is to be offended. Of obviously, course they're going to be offended, but, but it's the truth. We already we just went over this. No, the no, truth no,
1: just, is no. offensive. Would you consider Haiti a first world country? No, I wouldn't. Okay. Would you consider Haiti's people happy?
0: Not for the most part.
1: Thank you. So if you live there, would you consider it a good country or would you consider it a shithole?
0: It depends where you are.
1: For the vast majority of people who live there, would they consider it a good country? Would they consider it a shithole? Would you pick? Would you pick up right now and move to Haiti? If someone gave you a job making forty or fifty grand a year and you could do something you like to do, would you rather live in Haiti or would you rather live in Canada? I hear it.
0: Canada. Thank you very much. The thing is, what I I want you to know is, I completely hear what you're saying, but but like think about it. You're with your last name? I'm assuming you're from Italy. Yes. You got to be from Italy. But imagine um. And they're turning Italy into a fucking shithole, no, unfortunately. But all, all and I'm it's my is, favorite country in the world. Well, all I'm saying is now imagine you with your Italian background, your whole family's from Italy, and the first few words I say to you is Italy is a is a shithole. Wouldn't I now, would say why? Wouldn't, wouldn't and I would agree. And then if you told me reasons first, that I agree with, reaction. I would agree with you. Now, but the very first reaction is it not normal to be upset when you hear some someone talk about. Your background like that? Wouldn't you feel some type of If way?
1: somebody was talking to me personally, if someone was talking about Italians in general, maybe, but we're not talking about people in general. We're not talking about a race in general. We're talking about a specific country, and it's the specific conditions in that specific country that make it a shithole. And has nothing to do with the people that live there. Haiti could be 100% white but, people, but why the and it still
0: be a shithole. Why the word shithole? Why not? just not the best place to be. Shithole is the
1: word that Trump uses for countries. Shithole is a popular word in politics for that. That's why I use it. And I use it as an example because Canada's supposed to be the best. Katie's supposed to be the worst. So what's the worst? Shitty. So I try to show them how a so-called shithole somehow destroyed a so-called first world country in pandemic response and COVID deaths. Mm-hmm. That's why it's to make shock and awe and make people aware that how did a so-called shithole with absolutely no pandemic response and one of the worst healthcare systems in the world have far less COVID deaths with far less restrictions. No, I, I
0: definitely hear that part. That's but, the whole point. But, but it's just like the first few words is like, whoa, you know what I'm saying? Like, let's say, let's say there was a whole clip of you explaining exactly what you just explained. Uh, people on the internet like to take the 10-second clip. Of course, clip, they can do that with anything, then, though, and, bro. And that's crazy because exactly, um, you can make Mother Teresa look bad if if you if you just cut out.
1: They Not did a parked. clip. They did a clip the other day on the internet when, uh, and it was from the Viva Fry show that you were just watching. He said, "What were the char- What were the k- police told about you?" Mm-hmm. And I said, "Oh, they were told that I had nine guns and I was ready to shoot the premier of Canada." Someone just took that clip out of content, out of thing, and it says, "I have nine guns and I'm ready to shoot the premier of Canada." Now, why do you think people do that? Because like reviews, clout. Because they can't find anything legitimate. To make me look bad so they have to literally fabricate fake things to make me look bad just like using somebody else with the same name who has charges that aren't mine or making up fake tweets and fake facebook posts or taking a one hour clip and then turning it into a six second clip that has absolutely nothing to do with what i really so, said so it's
0: basically again like we said earlier if they don't have a story they'll make one that's exactly that's, what they're that's doing it is now now, let me get to these questions. Go ahead. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even get a chance to ask any of the questions. Go right ahead. Ask me anything you like. Um, obviously, I, I've been watching you for some time now. When I first, first found out about you was when COVID, like, was thrown into North America. Well, more in China, but as soon as it hit Canada, that's when I really started hearing about you. But before I dive into all that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you, I know you've been asked this multiple times, but I'm going to just ask you these quick little questions. Where are you from? Originally? Originally. I was
1: born in North York, like right at Jane and Finch. A lot of people in Ontario know where that is. Oh, yeah. And then I, I grew up mostly... And Finch is the crazy part. Oh, yeah. It wasn't that bad when I was born, but it, I, now. by the time I was like 5, 6, it was already bad. Yeah. And then I, I lived in Woodbridge. Uh, I grew up in Woodbridge with a lot of Italians, as a matter of fact. In Toronto? Uh, it's just uh, just north of Toronto. Oh, GTA? So it's, it's GTA. It's Vaughn. But I worked within Toronto. I worked all over because with my business, we worked all over, in, all over Ontario. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, I lived there. I lived in. I lived in different municipalities all over Ontario. Uh, my fam. My parents have been together since they were children. I have two older sisters. I'm the only boy. I'm the. I'm the youngest Gee, in my family. Just
0: so, like me, I got three sisters.
1: Only boy. Are you the youngest? I'm the third. I'm the baby. I'm the forgotten child, child. The middle child. Middle <laughs> child. I'm the baby. I'm the baby. I'm the only boy. Uh, married to her for almost 10 years now congrats thank you very much of course and uh would have probably already had kids if it wasn't for me facing like years and years and years and years in prison but now that i beat like 95 percent of the charges i think we can finally settle down it's about time. Well, yeah, I didn't want to
0: go go. Uh, I didn't. I didn't want to have a baby and then find out I'm gonna to have to go to jail or something. That would have sucked for an extensive amount of time. Nobody wants to go through any of that. Obviously since not. since you're an honest person, I gotta ask you: Are those veneers? No, they're not. Everybody think they're too damn everybody perfect. Everybody makes fun of my. Okay, let's get
1: the record straight. I'm gonna look right <laughs> at the camera for this. The three things I hear every day about myself: These are the three biggest the 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 insults I get online. Mm-hmm. My veneers. Number one, they're not veneers. I had these teeth my whole life. In fact, my teeth were even bigger. I actually had the fangs Sheesh. cut with a heat gun because I literally looked like I had vampire fangs. I've always had big, nice Did teeth. Did you
0: ever have braces? Or I had braces. Always- I okay. had braces
1: to straighten my teeth. And then we went to Columbia and we had a procedure done called Smile Design mm-hmm. where they basically take a very thin coating, like a, like a liquid coating, and paint it over your teeth to make them whiter oh, Okay, okay. but it's still your teeth it's not yeah. veneers they're not putting anything on there no I just look because
0: I'm looking I'm like okay. I get that all the
1: time but they're, they're not veneers they're not veneers my lips are not fake that's the second <laughs> thing I get I literally have to post a baby picture of myself from when I was like four years old to show people that my lips took up my entire face and then the other thing I know I don't have Botox guys I'm 40
0: years old <laughs> give me a break See, you know that's another thing because you know I know I could be honest with you and stuff like um, the way you're built, like, yeah. is that is that juice? Is that
1: is I'm that on like- test I'm not gonna lie. I started taking testosterone replacement when I was like thirty-four. Mm-hmm. And I think every man this is what kills me. People talk about steroids like it's a bad thing. First of all, testosterone is a natural hormone that's in your body. And as you start getting older, it declines. Mm-hmm. So you should supplement. If I ask an average person, oh, do you take vitamins? 90% of people say, Yeah, I take this vitamin, this vitamin. If you get a bl- if you get blood work done, they don't just check your vitamins; they check your hormone levels, mm. your testosterone, your free testosterone, your estrogen, your cortisol, etc. Your hormone levels are far more important for your health than your vitamin levels. So, if someone's supplementing testosterone, HGH when they're in their high and when they're in their like later adult years, mm-hmm. that's better for your body, better for your health, and better for your longevity than taking a vitamin C tablet. But people just don't know this. Is the stereotype behind steroids true? Which one are you talking about? <laughs> there's like a million stereotypes. It
0: decreases your manhood size. No, that's not
1: true. That's it depends true. what there's different types of steroids that people take. First of all, testosterone is a natural thing, but there's all different types of steroids that aren't testosterone that are uh, man-made. Mm-hmm. So if you're taking testosterone, you'll actually have a higher libido and you'll want to have sex more, and they actually give it to guys with erectile dysfunction because it'll make them it'll make them actually is work what better. Viagra's for Viagra would be for that too, but a lot of guys have erectile dysfunction because uh, most guys living right now have low testosterone. Mm. And it's not by accident, it's by design. Since 1983, every single year, the average man's testosterone dropped by more than 1%. So right now it's at the point where if 7 out of 10 men go get blood tests, their their testosterone will be low, and you can see it. Look what's happening to society. Mm. When we were go- when I was growing, I'm older than you. When I was growing up, okay, there was a few alpha males, but all the other males still fought, still competed, still wanted to play sports, wouldn't back down from a fight, etc. Mm. They all wanted their own plate. They all wanted. They would fight for everything. Now you go back ten years later, we got all these little little vegans, little uh, little little boys dating <laughs> girls whose arms and legs are twice as thick as theirs, and then you go ten years later and these boys don't even know if they're supposed to be a boy, a girl, a cat, a dog. They're installing litter boxes in schools so kids can go to the bathroom when they want to identify as a cat. So obviously there's something going on with the hormones. Yeah. And yes, if you take certain steroids, I know a lot about I know a lot about nutrition in general. I was uh, I was a nutritionist. I was actually on one of the top bodybuilding teams in the world. So diet, exercise, and hormones. Yeah, I'll, you were, We were just talking about this
0: before you started. Yeah, I was You like, were training, and you said you didn't
1: see any results until you changed your diet.
0: Mm-hmm. Right? It's crazy. Um, I was looking at um, throwback pictures of you uh, a few years back, and I was looking at the body type. I'm like, he's either been to jail or crazy in the gym. Because that's – or uh bodybuilder, I mean. Because that's that's the only way your body could ever really look like that, that big, swole. I'm it, not that big. Look at me. I'm just in – I'm in decent shape. And right now, I'm like
1: – really bad shape as normal because i've been touring for three years mm-hmm. and like you said what's the hardest thing to do for your body is eating right mm-hmm. so when i when you look at me and i'm like and i and the lowest body fat i've been five and a half percent body fat before Jeez. and when i'm eating like when i'm not training i'm training six or seven days a week twice a day in the morning i'm doing cardio at night i'm doing weights i watch every single meal i eat i know the i know the caloric content of every food off my heart <laughs> like i'm very good with numbers and things of this such so but- when do- Oh, my bad. Go ahead. And like off. and like you said, the the thing with steroids is people need to get that stereotype out of their head. Virtually every athlete you see all your favorite. Oh, US, they're no they're way. all taking sauce. Even L.B.J. They're all taking sauce. No, they all take that. HGH until when until- they're in their off season, they take what's called a long ester steroid that can be tested in your body for like a month after you've been using it. And when they're going into competition, sorry guys, I'm going to give away your secrets. Now <laughs> they use things called uh, short ester testosterones and other types of steroids and oral steroids that clean the body uh, really quickly as, as spell they uh, use clearing agent that. I, so they can take uh, sauce in some cases certain steroids up to like five to seven days before they're going to be in the ring performing so all how, you how people true do you think that is like, i'm telling I, you right now that, it, that over 99 percent of athletes that you see are taking steroids and hgh for their careers. They don't want you to know this, but you can check the numbers. They will admit there's over 750 million people in the world right now taking performance-enhancing uh, substances. So
0: even primetime Iron Mike Tyson. They're all <laughs> taking that shit, buddy. You oh, don't... man. I and wish you never told me that.
1: Go look at what a bodybuilder looked like before steroids were popular. You have to go back to like the 1920s and before. Mm-hmm. Those guys, And go look at Mr. Olympia. And these were the biggest, baddest, most jack guys in the world at the time. The average... Fitness model today, Instagram fitness model looks a hundred times better than Mr. Olympia did a hundred years ago. And it's not because we we evolved as humans in the, in a few generations. It's because the chemicals people are taking evolved. That's why uh, why why bodybuilders ten years ago don't look like bodybuilders so today. Don't
0: think evolution had anything to do? With Obviously, it time? does.
1: But it's more the performance-enhancing substances. A hundred percent guaranteed. When- and everybody's taking them, they don't want you to take them because if you take them properly, you will get stronger. You will, you will fight back. They don't want people like that. Mm-hmm. They want people weak. They want people scared. They want people compliant. If you're taking steroids and you're going to the gym six days a week, you're not compliant. When I go to the gym and I see all the people training there, those are the same people – that were angry that the gyms were closed. Those are the same people that want to come to protest and protest the stuff the government is doing. Why? Because those are the people that are the, the ones that take action. Mm. The ones that sit on their couch all day drinking beer and watching hockey aren't going to be the ones that get up and fight for their freedom. The guys that are going to the gym six days a week are.
0: Sheesh. When when did you start I, – I could probably answer this myself, but I want to hear it from you. When did you basically start taking over the internet, like in the Canadian world? I don't know about taking over, but we well, had a, I just, we, I've seen you everywhere. Well, we had a presence. We had
1: a presence on the Internet for a long time before COVID, because as you can see, my wife's very attractive <laughs> and we would spend a lot of time traveling to warm, exotic places with other beautiful women. So we had like 100,000 people on Instagram just following us to see what we would be doing next and because of our dogs and everything else. Everybody knows we have a, like a wolf sanctuary. And we rescue wolf hybrids. So between those two things, we had like 100,000 people following us and our lives were great. I had a great career. I had a perfect wife and we had a great life. And then I took her to Italy for her birthday, February 27th, 2020, Mm -hmm. the exact day that they canceled Carnival in Venice. And Venice became, and that was the first time they ever did it since the 1700s. And that's when Venice became the epicenter of the outbreak. Wow. So I literally, like, as God, I guess what fate would have it, I was in the epicenter of the virus from the very beginning. And uh, we saw every, all the craziness going on on the TVs. Meanwhile, there was no panic in Venice. Everyone was chilling, shopping, eating. I was at the gym. But on TV, everyone's dying in Venice. And everyone's calling us wondering how if we're okay. And I was like, guys, we're fine it's the TV lies to you. Just stop watching TV and you'll be okay. And when we left uh, Italy right before it got locked down, we spent some time in France and Netherlands a couple days before we came back to Canada. Mm-hmm. So we were in that unique perspective where we had a jump off uh, on everything. And we tried to warn everybody at the time that they're going to lock everybody down, but nobody really listened. People only started listening to me when uh, I started speaking out and I didn't really start speaking out uh, on purpose. It was an accident. Mm. I just went to a protest because she found a protest online, and I've never been to a protest. I'm not political. I don't believe in the left and right paradigm. I don't believe in the two-party system. It's all corrupted, and that's why I never ran for anything. And the only reason I even believe in the mayorship is because it's the highest-ranking position in government that doesn't require any political affiliation. So because there's no political affiliation and because it's a municipal election, it's a lot harder to rig uh than the federal election so i believe i can get a fair shot and i can get in there and once i get in there i can make a lot of change mm.
0: um so back to the Trent out loud podcast I, I watched that podcast at least twice maybe
1: did he even ever upload the whole podcast because i'm pretty, pretty sure it was, it was the whole thing okay. i'm pretty
0: sure it was like 45 minutes it, it had to be the whole thing because I, I was watching it for a little bit but um there, there's two things that i i strongly was like kind of against as he was interviewing you, I, I felt like he had more feelings within that interview rather than trying to get the facts out. Thank you. He didn't know what the hell he was talking about. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say he didn't know what he was talking about. I'd just say there was more feelings. He than did a lot did. of times
1: because I would ask him specific questions and he would say, I don't know, but I believe or I feel like you said this. Yeah. And I'm like, well, how are you having an interview with somebody and you're and interviewing me about a topic, but you can't even ask me questions about the topic because you don't even
0: know what we're talking about. Yeah, it's that, but it's just like I'm real strong on if you're interviewing someone, especially when you bring someone on you know what they're like or you should know what they're like the whole background you should know what type of personality they're about to bring to your platform so for you to get your whole feelings involved yeah and obviously when feelings are involved god knows how you're going to react you're you're always going to do things that you're going to end up regretting so that was one thing i wasn't a big fan of and two um with that whole podcast uh episode that you had with him it was like to me I'm like, does he want to be there? It doesn't even seem like it didn't seem like you wanted to be there. I
1: didn't because it was like I was talking to myself (laughs) when I'm talking to somebody. First of all, when the guy introduces me as a conspiracy theorist,
0: Uh, you don't like that
1: already. That's trying this, that entire word was invented by the CIA to discredit people that are telling truths the government doesn't want them to know mm. so to me when I'm called that it's a badge of honor but when somebody is interviewing me and calls me that it's letting me know that they're trying to discredit me from the very get-go so every single thing gone. that I'm saying they're already told their viewers don't believe anything this guy's saying because he's a conspiracy theorist mm. so when someone interviews me like that and I know Trent now because I did a research on him so I know he's a piece of shit yeah. I know he lo- yeah and I'll say yeah. it on live he, he lost his <laughs> contract with nike for doing shady shit so if a country if a company like nike gives you the boot and kicks you out that's why he's desperate for money and that's why he did that hit piece i guarantee he got paid to do that hit piece on me so i you, guarantee uh, I'm, I'm not
0: i'm not gonna get into that i guarantee not gonna that.
1: he got paid to do that hit piece on me because he didn't know anything about me he didn't know anything about what we were talking about he did that and he was told get chris sky on there and try to make him look bad to black people that's what he was told it was so he, it's it was quite obvious and that's why i wasn't giving him any respect because it was it was just obvious it was a it was a really badly You saw it from the start where where I, it was going. And, and I called him out from the start.
0: What 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 I what I what I did like where the conversation went was um you was talking about uh how the government was is taking control and he said they're not physically taking control. But the well what well, what you said that really made sense is it's more psychological, it's more mental than anything. If they could if they could get you to do it without them physically doing it themselves, it's the same thing. It's the he's same He's trying thing. to tell me no, it was what, a different thing. How no, is it what, different? What I'm saying is it's the same thing, but one is stronger than the other. If I could, if I could mentally make you do something without physically being That's there, stronger. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's and amazing, that's what
1: I was go. telling him. I go, no, he, but he was arguing saying, first of all, he was arguing saying that uh coercing someone mentally and coercing someone physically isn't the same thing. Meanwhile, of course it is. If I if I want both of you to take a vaccine and all i have to do to get you to do it is say i'm going to have you fired from your job if you don't take this and you go and take the vaccine but for her i had to physically hold her down and j- give it to her who was weaker you no that's who was easier
0: to influence you that's and did they need where... to, and they, they need to use physical to to influence anybody that's, no that's what i'm saying where I, I felt i feel like feelings got more involved because at that point he just started just saying making things of no sense just and that's what i'm saying about feelings when yeah. you let feelings interfere with stuff Yo, Your conversations go from sounding right to absolutely left. Facts don't care about feelings. It's that friggin simple. And the reality is, up until COVID,
1: war meant they'd have to get people with guns to go and actually physically remove you from the place that they wanted to or physically kill you. Mm. Now in COVID, their warfare was so advanced they literally coerced their enemy, that's us, the public, to pay money to kill ourselves. Let that sink in. War before, they would have to send an invasion team, propaganda, shoot us, coerce us, get collaborators, put us in camps, et cetera, like they did in World War II. What did they have to do in COVID? Put some stuff on TV, and you literally had people lining up, paying to kill themselves
0: and kill their children. Jeez. That's the reality. The one thing I could tell you, um, I, I'm not going to say it. there There was no part from beginning to end. Well, if if we're even in the end part of COVID, I, I think we are we. We would love to believe that. <laughs> but um, if it's one thing that I liked about COVID, and hear me out, uh, was the gas prices. Uh. And gas prices, uh, I was getting gas at like fifty fifty cents a liter. I was filling up my – I had a motorcycle at the time. It was like $7 to fill it up premium. Yeah. I was driving a Pontiac G6. It was like $28 to fill it up. Usually it's $60. That, was, that I, I'd say when it comes to that, that was the only thing that I liked.
1: Yeah, why do you think they did that? They did that because 100% of the government employees were still driving around, but only a very small percentage of the public were driving around. So who benefited from that?
0: I guess. No, I hear you. Um, another thing that I saw is um, – so back, to, back to talking to the uh, the whole arresting thing. You got arrested in Toronto, Thunder Bay, Winnipeg, and kicked out of Halifax. Halifax, how do you? I didn't kicked- get kicked out of Halifax. tried How do you get kicked out of? They Halifax? They tried
1: to stop us from coming to Halifax because if you guys remember, when COVID was in its peak, they started putting uh, barricades between and checkpoints between the provinces. Mm-hmm. Remember that. Mm-hmm. You couldn't leave Quebec or Ontario unless you had business or whatever, or unless you showed them a vaccine passport. Well, on the whole east coast of Canada, Nova Scotia, uh, Newfoundland and PEI, they called it the Atlantic bubble. And you were not allowed to go there unless you were from any of those three areas or you had to show a vaccine passport at the checkpoint And you had to apply for a special travel pass from the government in advance. And they wanted me to come there to do an event. And I was in New Brunswick, which we could go to. And they wanted me to come to Halifax to do an event. And I'd never been to Nova Scotia and I wanted to do it. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, screw it. We'll find a way to get over the border. And uh, so we sent them a a poster. And instead of putting my name on it, because when we did this in Manitoba, in Winnipeg, and we sent them a poster, and they knew I was coming. They actually, I became the first person in the history of Canada for them to get a preemptive warrant for my arrest for something they said I was going to do. Imagine. Isn't that illegal? 100% you illegal. A hundred percent illegal. You're making assumptions. A hundred percent illegal. I can't just
0: arrest you because I think you're going to do They
1: something. said They said that they know I was going to do it because the poster proves it. That's how they tried to get around it. Really, legally, they would have to wait for me to go to the protest, speak, and then they could arrest me. But they wanted to make sure they arrested me before I spoke, obviously. So they put a preemptive warrant out for my arrest. And I'm the first person that that ever happened to. You're the
0: first person that get a lot of things. I saw that Amazon, uh, your Just Say No book.
1: First person to ever have a book banned by Amazon. That's correct. That
0: is crazy. And
1: you can buy Hitler's book on Amazon right now. But you can't buy my book. And Hitler's book talks about killing people and talks about friggin' Nazi Germany and racial... What does
0: your book talk about in order to not be sold? Just Say
1: No talks about... The three phases of United Noncompliance, which was the way, uh, which was my plan for stopping COVID and stopping the climate change and stopping the globalist agenda. And the first chapter of the book was truth. The second chapter of the book was love. Mm. And this is the book that got banned by Amazon, uh, and they don't like it because United Noncompliance is the way forward, and it's what I taught everybody way back when. I I I stole the term just say no. From the the drug uh, the drug campaign of like the 70s mm-hmm. for a very specific reason, the elite have used that term and programmed it into virtually every man, woman, and child's brain. So I used their programming against them, and I and I co-opted the phrase and I brought it out for just say no to the vaccines, the mask, and everything else. But that wasn't enough because just say no is an individual action and it works for yourself. Mm-hmm. But we need enough people to do it that it can actually change government policy, and that's where united noncompliance comes in. And United Noncompliance basically means getting enough people united to just say no, that the government has no choice but to listen, nonviolent, non aggressive, in self defense, and out of love. And it's extremely powerful. It's basically Gandhi, what Gandhi did. And in order to get people to do that on a wide scale, we had to get them to understand the phases of it. And the first phase of United Noncompliance was the global awakening, making people understand that COVID had nothing to do with health and safety and everything to do about government control. Mm -hmm. As soon as a person would understand that fact and realize that and live in that reality, they'd be ready to fight back. And all the propaganda that's used to subvert them would
0: actually make them angry and more willing to fight back. Now now let me ask you this. If you had to pick two, if you had to pick, so I'm going to give you two philosophers, um, both African American. If you had to pick two of what they believed in or one of what they believed in, who would you who would you follow and why? Malcolm X, which is any means necessary, violence, wh- whatever it takes to get it, you do it, or Martin Luther, peace, peacefully. MLK, MLK. MLK was a lot like me. He was arrested like
1: 33 times. And I'm pretty sure he wasn't much older than me when he got killed. <laughs> uh, don't say that. Don't Unfortunately. Say that. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I agree with his methods because as soon as you go violent, they can demonize you, especially racial. Especially racial. When racial people get violent, whether you're black or white, they call you racist right away and they make it a racial thing. Mm. So you can't go violent. And if you get a whole bunch of people getting violent, what do they call it? They'll call it an insurrection, like January 6th.
0: Isn't, isn't it crazy how um, when African, when a black person does something, He's labeled as a thug when a brown or Middle Eastern person do some terrorism. Yeah, it's stupid. But but when a when a Caucasian or white person does something, what you know what I'm saying? Most people just say they were mentally ill, mentally ill. Yeah. So why is is it that like all all the other colors have their own kind of things that they get stuck under? But white people are just he just didn't grow up right. I think it might because with white people, when it comes down to like
1: really like every to be honest, Different races are more prone to different crimes. Mm. For instance, uh in the United States of America, black people make up sixteen percent of the population, but they make up fifty one percent of murders. Meanwhile, if you look at specifically serial killers, the sickest mother <laughs> out there, ninety over ninety percent of them are white males. Mm. So how do you explain that? Is
0: it is it I racist? Or is sweep, it just or is it just sweep it under the rug. exactly. It's just it's just something that is like That's just the way it is. Um, Why why do you think your country is trying to silence you? No no fly list, suspended driver's license, or did you... Did they suspend it or they took it away from you? They alleged that I I tried to run over police officers and alleged
1: that I was planning on killing people with guns. So they they... used it to take away my license. They used it to take away my guns. And they used it to pretend that I'm an um, attempted murderer of both police officers and politicians in the media to try to make me look as bad as possible. They even arrested me for beating my wife and then subsequently dropped the charges right away, but not before they made wonderful headlines that say, oh, he beats his wife and he tries to kill cops and he tries to kill politicians. Where did they get
0: the beating wife from?
1: Oh, that was wonderful. Uh, It was, (laughs) I had just got arrested in Winnipeg on a false charge and we knew it was a false charge and I knew they were going to set me up. So I kind of set them up Mm -hmm. because I was driving through Winnipeg on my way back from a tour and we didn't have anything set up in Winnipeg. But when the people saw me in Winnipeg, just like driving through, all my friends started calling me like, you asshole, you didn't even tell us you're going to be in Winnipeg. Like you got to do an event. So I'm like, if you guys can make it happen, I'll do an event tomorrow morning because I'm supposed to leave tomorrow afternoon so I can do the event in the morning. So sure enough, they got an event made for me. But before I went and did the event, because this was where I had that preemptive warrant for me in Winnipeg, so I wanted to make sure I didn't have any outstanding warrants, I had my lawyer contact Winnipeg PD and Ontario PD and had them verify that I had no warrants anywhere in the country. So I knew I'd be okay to do the uh, the protest the next day in Winnipeg. Yeah. But I also knew that if I did the protest, it was more than likely that Winnipeg would still arrest me Legally, because that's how Winnipeg is. They're very, very corrupt. And I knew that from the first time I went there. So, sure enough, my lawyer called Winnipeg and Toronto and made sure and verified with multiple officers that I had no warrants anywhere in the country, da da da. And we had it all on record. Yeah. The next oh, day, sorry. Oh, don't worry. So the next day, I went to do my protest and the mainstream media showed up, which is never a good sign because whenever mainstream media is there, it usually means they have an agenda. And I knew at that point that they're more than likely going to arrest me. So there's this clip of me. I'm walking down the street and I look at the camera and I go like this. If you want me, come and get me. And then sure enough, two hours later, they come and arrest me with like 15 cop cars. While two other other people are getting murdered in the city. They're They're, treating you like Pablo. Bro. And then I asked him. I go, what's the arrest charge? He goes, you have a warrant. I go, okay. Is the warrant from today? Because just last night I had no warrants anywhere (laughs) in the country. But he didn't know I made this phone call. Mm -hmm. And the cop was like. No, it's a warrant from a couple months ago. So right away, I knew that it was a false arrest. It was a manufactured fake warrant. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I had them caught red-handed because we had it on record from their own police department last night that I didn't have a warrant. So they bring me to the police station, and I won't wear a mask anywhere, even at the police station. So in order to try to force me, they handcuffed me behind my back and put it on me, and I still like took it off on the wall with no hands. So they put one of those Hannibal Lecter spit hoods on me. And they yeah. care and they carried me around uh, the the thing so they had me in the jail cell and then obviously my lawyer called them and asked them so when did that lawyer pop or when did that warrant pop up in the system and they couldn't lie because it says right on the computer mm-hmm. that the warrant popped up in the system right as I happened to be speaking of course from two months ago that wasn't there last night so they got caught red-handed literally manufacturing a warrant in the system as I was speaking just so they could justify an arrest and they had to let you go first they had to give me the bail hearing. And they threatened me in the bail hearing. They said, you better not say anything to the judge. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, okay. And as soon as they put me in there, obviously I told the judge everything I just told you. And within a few minutes, they had to let me out. But not before they gave me a roughing up for telling the truth. Uh, and roughing then, up? Yeah. yeah they they put hands on you? Oh, they always do, bro. No way. Batons. Oh, not batons this time. But they're like they, – they straight fists. Yeah, and they throw you around and you're handcuffed behind your back so you can't like you can't and if you can't do anything, like if you do anything they say you're resisting. So you just have to let them do whatever that they want. That is
0: crazy.
1: It's not cool. They do it all the time. They oh get away my with God. it. But they had to let me out that night. It
0: is crazy cuz people say that type of stuff doesn't happen. Oh, in it Canada. happens all the time. They say it doesn't happen in Canada. It
1: happens all the time. Wow. Just like the fake no the illegal no fly list. But so they had to let wow. me out. I was only in jail for a couple hours. They didn't even charge me with anything cuz they knew they were screwed. And right away, I made a video, and it went viral. And I knew they were going to come back after me because it went too viral, and it exposed their corruption, exposed the false arrests and everything. So we started driving home from there to Toronto. And it's like a 30 hour drive still almost from there. Sheesh. So we would been, I had just got out of jail. I was still in the same clothes from the jail. Hadn't even been able to shower yet. And we're about, tw- we drove about 12 hours and now we're back in Ontario. And I see that they had just put out a new news article to try to debunk everything I just said about the false arrest. We stopped uh, t- for my buddy to pray. He's a Muslim and he was with us and he had to pray. So we stopped at a gas station to pray. And I was just frolicking with my wife in the parking lot. And all of a sudden, all these police officers show up. I'm like, oh, God, here we go. They followed you. They, They said that somebody had called 911 and said I pushed my wife. And, and I pushed her into the car and slammed the door on her legs. So they were, they were uh, demanding to see my wife's legs. So she pulled up her pants and showed them. And then they tried to lie and say that she never showed them. And then they said, oh, they asked her if I had laid hands on her. And she said, absolutely not. My friend said, absolutely not. I said, why don't you just check one of the 8 million security cameras in the parking lot and we could clear this up right now. They said, unfortunately, we can't do that because we have two separate witnesses that said that you put hands on her. So they arrested me. And then they tried to make me sign a form that they would let me out if I wasn't able to live with my wife. So now I can't drive, can't fly, and my wife who drives me everywhere isn't going to be allowed to be with me or live with me. That's what they were trying to do. Literally take away everything from aren't,
0: me. Aren't loopholes in the law crazy? Like, yeah. Those are all loopholes Well, they if they Well,
1: if they can get you to sign off on it, they can get you to sign anything. So obviously, I didn't sign it. I told them to go F themselves. So then they're like, well, well now you got to stay in jail. So I stayed in jail until I got a bail hearing. And obviously, the judge wasn't as corrupt as the cops. So he had to let me out on bail. And I was allowed to see
0: my wife again. Yo, it is crazy to hear someone speak like that. <laughs> crazy. Crazy.
1: And then guess what happened? What happened? As soon as they got the the, uh, the judge was gonna actually get to look at the case for the first time, the crown dropped it mm-hmm. before the judge would be able to go look at it because they knew as soon as the judge looked at it and looked at those tapes, it would have been why the hell and did they, you they, charge this guy? And in they the know the way? judge
0: isn't on their side.
1: Usually the judges aren't as corrupt as the rest of these cronies because the judges took decades to get where they are Mm. and they actually respect the law and they respect their position and if they go along with these things that are blatantly illegal and a blatant violation of the law and my rights when I appeal it and it goes to a higher court the judge can lose their job so do these judges really want to put their 40 year career on the line because these people have a personal agenda against me
0: most of the time the answer is no okay now check this out Hear me out. I know you're gonna want to jump in, but let me finish. You're a racist. <laughs> you you have hate for the same sex uh, people that are into the same sex. The LGBTQ community, you're not a big fan of, and I also heard you're not a big fan of the Muslim culture. Okay, so talk to me. You see my wife, right? Yes, ma'am,
1: or yes, sir. Is my wife white? No, she is not. Okay, so uh, she also likes girls. So she's bisexual. Okay. So I'm a racist that hates LGBT, but I'm married to a non-white LGBT. I'm just reading you what the internet says. <laughs> I'm just and I'm just telling you yeah, yeah. why why the internet's completely full of crap. What was the next
0: one? Sorry. Uh, so there was you're racist. You hate LGBTQ. Oh yeah, the not, Muslim thing. The Muslim, yeah.
1: Okay. So when I got charged with my worst charges, assault with deadly weapon on police officer and threatening to kill all the premiers in Canada, <laughs> guess who bailed me out of jail? Who? Not just a Muslim. But a Muslim imam, wow, one of my best friends, but you know, it's because I'm so, I'm Islamophobic. He came to jail and bailed me out for those charges. When he is expecting, my lawyer called him and told him, expect a $250,000 bail when he heard the charges that I was on. And I called my lawyer and I laughed at him. I go, aren't bail conditions based on the evidence? He's like, yes. And the charges. I go, well, I know the charges sound bad. I go, but the evidence is so ridiculous. I go, I guarantee the bail's not going to be as high as you think. And my lawyer is a very, very good lawyer. But he didn't know what the evidence was. So he was just assuming based on the charges. Mm-hmm. Then when he got the disclosure and saw what the evidence was against me, which is basically the word of a con man with a, a criminal record longer than anybody else's I've ever seen. You know what my bail was set at for what? threatening to run over police officers and threatening to snipe all the premieres in Canada? What was it? $5,000. Wow. Yeah that's how that's how good their case was
0: but they didn't tell you that in the media in the media i was a cop killer and everything else that's yeah. crazy i was watching the 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 quick um when you tried to run over a cop the, the two, unmark- or not two, was it un- one unmarked vehicle that was following you? They cornered you?
1: Not even cornering me, bro. It was worse than that. They followed me from my house, and the
0: only because reason— they couldn't get you out of your house. They remember-
1: could get me at my house. Oh, the only could. reason they didn't want to get me at my house— Cameras. Thank you. Mm. And they tried to lie. So they have undercover officers staking out my house. My house is five acres with fence all the way around and gates to get into the house. And I have security cameras everywhere because I was building a new house. So there's security cameras for construction. And they have big signs, as big as me, in red and yellow, stating that there's 24 hour security bail- Smile surveillance. You're on camera. Yes. And the police officers testified in court that they didn't see the cameras or the signs because they had to come up with an excuse for why they let me leave my house. If I'm this dangerous guy that has a warrant for my arrest, they saw me come home. I stayed home for an hour while I packed my bags. I was going on tour that night. And then I grabbed my gym stuff and I was going to go to the gym before I started my tour. So I was home for an hour. So why didn't they arrest me at my house if I have this warrant for my arrest where it's a lot safer than letting me get in a car. So now I'm a danger to myself, a danger to the public and a danger to the officers. Yeah. They didn't arrest me at my house because they were planning on doing something illegal and they didn't want it on camera. So they even made sure that their car was far enough away that the cameras couldn't catch them. Mm -hmm. But they're pretending like they didn't see the cameras the whole time. So when I did leave my house, they followed me. And remember, they're in a completely unmarked car. You could be sitting in this car. There's no computer, no decals, no lights, no nothing. It's just a Dodge.
0: It's just a normal
1: Dodge Charger, silver Dodge Charger, completely unmarked. They're in Civis clothes. Uh, and they have black masks on Mm -hmm. and they lied about the black masks one officer said they didn't one officer said he can't remember then they might have had it with them they don't know they were literally their stories never matched and believe me it was the scariest day of my life so I remember everything quite vividly I was driving I turned right, right onto King Road from Kiel in King City and now picture this this is me I see this car coming and overtaking me on the left lane. And the only reason I even notice them, because I see two guys in the car with black masks. And I'm like, look at these idiots wearing masks in the car. <laughs> like it's like a joke we have, right? With the, the COVID thing. And now they just come in front of me in the middle of the road and slam on their brakes to the point where I have to stop in the middle of the road or I'm gonna rear end them. Now, before I can think of what's happening, a guy jumps out of the driver's and passenger side in plain clothes, black masks, with guns in their hand. And they go like this and they start running at me and and then when they get five feet away from my car they start bringing up the guns like they're going to shoot me in the face so i don't know about you what would you do in that position what would i do reverse that god that's exactly what i did i reversed on an angle to make sure that a it was easier for me to go around them and b i was out of the line of fire and then even by the officer's own testimony they they testified in court that I accelerated slowly while making sure the wheels were turned to go around them. And then when I went around them, then I accelerated quickly to get away. Jeez. And then when I noticed that they – and they didn't even get in their car and try to chase me. Why not? Because they already knew they were doing something illegal.
0: One, one thing I got to ask you, don't don't you think this type of lifestyle is kind of scary? Because let me put it like this. Let's say all these cops that are trying to get you, right? And you managed to get some of them fired because they're, they're lying under oath. They do this, and now they lose their jobs. Yeah, now they're going to come after me. But yeah, that's what's gonna. They lose their job, but they have your information. They know where you live. They know what time you're gonna be home. They know your schedule better than you do. Don't you think that kind of? You don't. And, think and, I, and and you're not allowed to have weapons. You're not allowed to have any. And in a place like Canada, you can't really defend your, you yourself. You think that's all health.
1: coincidence, or you think they do all of that on purpose to try to intimidate people like me to stop doing
0: what I'm doing? I guess. Thank so you. It just seems like you're not afraid to like die at any given moment because. Obviously, knock on wood, I I would never want that to happen, but you just never know what some people will do when they lose. It sounds bad, but I'm not afraid to die. I'm not afraid to die for freedom.
1: And a lot of people feel that way. That's why we had world wars where people fought and died for freedom. Mm. And this isn't even a war where people are getting shot at with guns. This is a war where they're literally telling you to do something you know is wrong and know is against your best interest, but because you don't have the balls to say no, you're going to go along with it and screw yourself and screw your family. There's no way in hell. And When I look around, I feel for the children. And Mm. I would rather be dead than 10 years from now walk down the street in my 15-minute city with my personal carbon allowance and look at any of the kids in the road and know that I failed them, Mm. failed them miserably. When you are a citizen of a country, I don't care what your race is, how old you are, your religion, your ethnicity, you're a citizen of that country. Your responsibility is to make sure that when you die... The next generation in your country has equal to better opportunity than you did.
0: What I notice about everybody that speaks out the way you speak out, especially on the Internet, they always talk about the kids, the next generation. Um, They're trying to be more open. So struggle now, go through all the bullshit now, just so that when the next generation is coming up, they have it just a little bit easier if possible. That's what I'm noticing about everybody like just speaks freely because it's going in the opposite direction, bro. They
1: want the kids to own nothing and be happy. And when I talk to young kids and they all talk to me, I'm on six buzz and all that shit. So they love me. When we go to the mall, we get like bombarded with 18 to 20 year olds. It's awesome. And I believe they actually come out and vote for us too, which is even better. Mm. But when I talk to these kids, when I was 16, 17, the only thing I cared about was getting a license and getting a car because a car represented adulthood, freedom, yep, yep. etc. Right. Yep. You talk to these kids these days, even 20 year old kids, they don't have a license because they know that they won't be able to afford a car, insurance, gas. And they, when you talk about them having a job and saving money so they can maybe buy a home, they laugh. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to be able to afford a home. They already got it programmed in their mind. You're not going to own a car. You're not going to own a house. And that's exactly what the new climate change agenda is all about. In a 15-minute city, 90% of the people are not going to own a car. In a 15-minute city with a personal carbon allowance, the vast majority of people are not even going to leave that 15-minute city for the majority of their life. This is what they want for you. And they already got the youth programmed to to like accept it. It's scary. But there's a lot of kids that aren't accepting it. There's a lot of kids that are defiant like me. And those are the, that's really the reason I'm fighting. Because if I was just fighting for the people that are 40-plus, who gives a shit? We're going to be dead soon. And if we die and we didn't accomplish anything, what did we do? So we made our lives okay for the next 20 years and we still sold out the next generation?
0: Yeah. No, doesn't work um, like that. One quick question, just kind of off topic. Real quick, what, what's your thoughts on electric cars? I think they're a giant scam. Now, the reason why I'm asking is because uh, I was watching a video and it made a real good point where electric cars are a nice thought. Like once you think, okay, cool, I could talk to the car. It goes wherever I tell it to go. But now you start missing out on payments. You can't use your radio. Let's say that they, they disable the radios and take. Buddy, they
1: have the Ford. The Fords, if you miss a payment, it, it repossesses itself. itself.
0: <laughs> that is crazy. Yes,
1: and the electric car. Have you ever had an electric car in Canada? Uh, you know what happens to electric car batteries in the winter? Uh, they lose about eighty percent of their charge.
0: We don't have regular, especially in Edmonton. Our winters here are. Thank not you. Normal. I know people that have electric cars in
1: winter. They're supposed to get five hundred kilometers in the tank. They get a hundred kilometers. Jeez and that's what they want they don't want you going anywhere and then what they can turn off your electricity whenever they want they can turn off your car whenever they want it's it it's it's about control, control. and they know that an electric car is more expensive so if they make a law that states oh everybody needs to have an electric car all of a sudden 25 percent of people can't drive anymore
0: mm-hmm. and just like that they eliminated car ownership for a quarter of the population it's funny because I, I saw something i think it was just somewhere in the states i don't i'm not sure if it was like part of the western world but i know for sure it said um by 2030 you have literally what you just said you have to have an electric bro that's
1: canada that's trudeau already said 2025 25 percent of all new sales have to be electric by 2030 it's all new sales and companies like mercedes-benz that are part of this agenda are going all electric with their entire lineup to make sure shit like this (laughs) happens but it's not going to be able to happen because The one thing people really don't want electric is trucks. Mm. And they're really trying to push the idea of the electric pickup truck. And pickup truck drivers, especially in Alberta, those are the last people that are going to buy an electric. There there might be one out of every 10,000 Albertan pickup drivers that will want that electric pickup. And that's if you gave it to them for a really good deal. Because all these pickup trucks that are electric are like over (laughs) $100,000 when you can get an equivalent and better truck for like 30 grand. So like. It's, it's just a ridiculous scam, and it's designed for one – it's just designed for like everything else for control. Every time you hear sustainability, every time you hear equity, inclusion, that's a euphemism for them trying to take something from you and them trying
0: to control you. I see. Well, you, you spoke about it earlier. You're going to run for mayor. Yes, sir. Which is – like that's – is different because when, when when you hear mayor, prime minister, president, whatever, they don't have this look, tattoos, bulky, they, they – they're more old, kind of hunchback. Whatever. Just you know what those they
1: are? Those are called politicians. And you know what politicians are? Mm-hmm. People that couldn't survive in the private sector. So they became whores. And they started yeah. asking people for money and providing favors to get that money. And by the time they're 60... They owe more favors to more people than you can imagine, and they're completely owned, and they have no morals, and they're 100% corrupt, and they're 100% easily manipulated. And then you have someone like me that becoming mayor, for all the other candidates, becoming mayor is like a job opportunity, a pay raise, a power grab, a career opportunity. Most of them are politicians, so for them it's just a, a promotion. For me, it's a sacrifice. I have to give up my private career, I have to give up my family life, and I have to put ourselves at risk. Not just our health our safety, but our reputation and everything else. Obviously they're gonna be trying to come after me, trying to arrest me. So For me, for all these other people, there's all these benefits to becoming mayor. For me, the only benefits to becoming mayor are for the people once I become elected. There's only downsides for me unless I win. And if I win, there's some good, there's some, obviously, there's some perks and bonuses for me. But in the the end, it's a big risk. It's something I don't need to do. Me and my wife could be living on a beach in Mexico right now. But I'm doing it because I believe it's the most effective way to accomplish what I've been trying to accomplish the last three years.
0: Now- Now, what I what I strongly believe is if you can get if you can get uh, people within the age of like 18 to 25, 26 to vote for you, you're in. But the the issue with that is we're we're not looking to vote. Some of us don't really care about it. We all of us have this mindset where our vote won't count. Our vote won't matter. Our vote won't be that one different that that one extra vote that you need to win. So what's what's your way to kind of get to the youth?
1: I got two words for you. Rob Ford. Everybody made fun of him. He's fat. He smokes crack. He's a loser. He's not going to go anywhere. Well, guess what? In the last election, John Tory only got 29% of the eligible voters to vote. That means 71% of the eligible voters just simply didn't vote. When Doug Ford ran, he got over 60%, a record-setting number of people to come out and vote. And how did he do that? Because he hit the streets every day. People had his phone number like they have my phone number. People are kind of following what he did. I'm not following that. I was already doing it before I even found out he did it. And when I found out we both were doing it, I was like, wow, that guy was a good dude. Because that's how I knew he cared. Rob was the kind of guy that if somebody called him and said, you know what? City Hall forgot to pick up my garbage. Rob would go there himself with his driver, pick it up, and take it away. And that's the kind of service I want to provide for the people. Complete personal white glove service to every citizen of Toronto so they know that not only is their voice heard but it's actually listened to and it actually matters and when people understand that i get people calling me just like you did not expecting me to answer but they're so excited they cry on the phone no way yes because they feel such a disconnect from their government and they feel so out of touch that they literally feel helpless yeah but i give people hope and i give people hope for the right reason I don't give people fake hope. I give people hope that they know that I will stand up for them. They know I will fight for them. They know I'll be honest with them. And even the people that don't like me, Mm. even the people that I offend with my honesty, guess what? Mm. When you ask them, do you think he'd be a good mayor? Guess what they tell you? I don't like that guy. But I like the idea of him as mayor. And why? Because they like the idea of me fighting for them. Mm-hmm. They like the idea that they know I won't tell them something to their face and then stab them in the back. Yeah. I, whatever I tell them to their face, they can believe. And they know I'm telling them for their own good. Mm. Not because I hate them. It's because I want them to better themselves
0: so the government can't hurt them or their family anymore. Yeah. That's it. Um, me, I'm not, I'm not too keen into the whole Toronto lifestyle. I've only been there about twice. I have some friends over there. We're well, not really in Toronto In orangeville the gta area but that's um, really far north oh yeah but um actually i do have one but what i was trying to say is so let's say you get into you become the mayor boom you get exactly what you want i'm not sure what the gentrification issue is over there but everywhere in the world has that how would you fix that the biggest
1: problem that toronto has right now uh is the fact that a lot of people have no job security and a lot of people are scared because of the mandates So the number one thing I would do is use the new power under the Mayor strong act to to get rid of the mandates and the restrictions and try to rehire all the people that lost their jobs. Mm. I believe right away that will change the face of the city. The second thing I would want to do is repair the relationship with the police and the public, because for the last three years under the COVID rules, the police were like a feared Gestapo. And if we give them new directives and they have no more corporate orders and we get rid of the few bad apples that caused a a lot of the problems in the force. That will have a huge impact. We get rid of the sanctuary city status of Toronto. There's hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants there. And that's not it's not that the fact that they're the illegals that's the problem. The fact of the matter is, under the sanctuary city status, none of those illegals can have their records checked. And of those hundreds of thousands, about that, yeah. they get the worst of the worst. People that are hiding out in Edmonton that just murdered five people that are an illegal immigrant will go to Toronto because they know that if they get grabbed by the cops in Toronto, they can't even check their status or their criminal record. So now you got literally hundreds of thousands of Canadians living next to hundreds of thousands of illegals with violent criminal records that are secretly hiding out in Toronto, and we wonder why Toronto is getting less safe and less friendly. So that would be a yeah, huge that, one. The, and the that TTC
0: was, over there is not a joke. The no, TTC, oh my goodness, and that, it's a and war zone in there. It's
1: a war zone, and the and you see seeing the prices. It costs people almost $1,500 a year now to have a TTC pass.
0: What was it a decade ago?
1: Uh, It was like a fraction of that. So what we would do is we would create a graduating system on the TTC. So there'd be one price for students up to the uh, high school, one price for university students and seniors, one price for people that need to use it every day for work, and then a separate price for tourists or people that are just using it casually to try to make up for it. But we would be able to save people, especially seniors and students who are all on fixed income, hundreds of dollars a month. And we would freeze those prices. So with all the other cost of living increases that we can't control rise, at least the ones we can control won't. And that's going to be huge, especially for people, especially for seniors living on pensions and fixed incomes. And then we got to look at the budget. The budget is the biggest thing in Toronto. Mm. It's almost $17 billion. Have you looked at the GDP of about 150 of the world's countries? Mm. That's higher than that. So, the city of Toronto for 3 million people has got more money than like 75% of the world's countries has. And somehow, every department manages to ask for the maximum amount that they need every year that they can ask for, and they spend that maximum amount every year. It doesn't matter if the con- economy contracted like it did with COVID, the government still expanded. That's a recipe for disaster and anybody you don't need to be an economic expert to know that that's not sustainable and you don't need to be an economic expert to know that that's going to increase the size of the government and decrease the standard of living and increase the cost of living for the people living there Mm -hmm. so i would go through that 17 billion dollar budget with a forensic analysis team and we would find billions of savings and then those billions could be
0: put back into the communities that need the most and say Say what you want about Chris Guy, you know what you're talking about, and that's what I like. And what really, what really got to me is the connection that um, public servants, the police officers, have with civilians, which is, is it's crazy huge. because it gets to it got well here in Edmonton, it gets to a point where I'd be with a group of friend of mine, um, we're going on with our day, just doing whatever. We see a cop drive by, and we're just we we haven't done anything, but we just feel get like, scared. We just feel yes. like we we have to
1: Why okay. would anyone want to feel that stress? When I was growing up, I don't know how old you are, but when 24. I was even How are 24. So when I was just being a little younger than you, even like 17, 18, we looked up to cops. Mm-hmm. We when we saw them, we weren't afraid of them. We didn't think they're gonna do anything to us. We thought they're heroes trying to protect us. And now what's happened is just like you said, even when I see a cop, the first thing I think of, oh, my God, they're coming after me. They're going to try to arrest me again. Da, 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 da. And it's not just because I'm paranoid or I've been arrested 26 times. It's
0: because that's how it's been moving in that direction no, for it's, years. It's, it's, it's gone to a point where it's like, OK, anyone, do you have anything that's black on you? Why? <laughs> because it, it might look like, a, OK, your phone. Keep your phone in your hand. Yeah, keep the, like We literally we break it down like that. We And it's, it's, it's gone to a point where now it's like it's just it's just. We just do it without even knowing it. it's not good for you yeah it's- and that and that was a hundred percent
1: policies by the government that created that because if the government tells the police to serve and protect <clears throat> believe me they'll serve and protect and you won't be afraid of them because if i was the, if i was in if i when i'm the mayor they're not just going to serve and protect we're going to do volunteer programs every day for the officers and i'll even pay the officers we'll call it overtime and they'll get paid for it but we want to encourage officers to do volunteer work within the community how so, can someone hate on this how, how do you hate right on that?
0: but don't you think um as you like explaining everything you would do if you got in office don't you think one of the other people like running against would kind of take your ideas and they say can try they
1: can try but i can't just go and not talk about my platform or the things i would do of course people are going to try to steal the things i say but their their big thing is just to try not to let me speak mm. because i will outspeak all the other candidates I, that's what I've been doing for the last three years. I'm a speaker. I didn't even know I was a speaker, but God God gave me a gift of speaking and people listen to me yeah. and that's why they're more afraid of me than anybody because not only do I speak the truth. not only do I connect with people on a personal and emotional level, but what I say makes sense. Yeah, it does. feel so, do, so, do really, like, so
0: this this whole lifestyle that, that that you got going on, how has it impacted the relationship with you and your lady? Like, has it gone to a point where you and your lady would be out in, pu- or you and your wife, sorry, would be out in public, and people just bombard you with questions, or they come in between you. You Are you Chris Guy? Well, when you said this, is this true? Or, like, <laughs> she has to deal with that,
1: like, a hundred times a day. I'm not even exaggerating. Every,
0: I'm on the phone,
1: like, 22 hours a day on top of that, mm-hmm. but anywhere we go, anywhere in the world, it's like a running joke. Like, anywhere we go, people be like, oh my god, it's Chris Sky, like. When we were in Europe, I spoke in England, Ireland, wow. Netherlands, France, Germany, Belgium. Uh, and I got invited back to go speak in Belgium again. And these are countries that don't even speak English. And they want me oh, to go speak. they have a translator
0: on the, okay, uh, okay. Yeah,
1: they subtitle my speeches after the fact. It's okay. crazy. And they still want me to speak live. And so <laughs> so it works out really good. Uh, and she's the one that made it all happen, to be honest. Because I wouldn't have spoke out if it wasn't for my wife. Mm. Is
0: there, is there some platforms out there that are afraid to interview you just of because course. of how, how open you are? Of course. Because me, there's some things that you're saying, and I'm like, ah, I'm going to get banned. But the but the conversation is worth it. I, I love I love everything because, like I said to you before, I've never had someone so open. So I'm still going to post it. Let's see what happens. I've been hearing a lot about Rumble. Rumble, Rumble, never, Rumble. Rumble's never banned me. Bitchute's never banned me. YouTube
1: is like, they're horrible. Oh, not, yeah. Yeah, I've never YouTube even tried crazy. to have a YouTube channel.
0: No, but... um. Uh, what was I saying? Yeah, so
1: so there has been platforms that of course, bro, I'm banned on most social medias. Try um, you can't even write the hashtag Chris Sky on TikTok. No way. You can't even
0: use the words TikTok Chris... too,
1: bro. And that's China. Oh my goodness. You can't even write the words Chris Sky in the video description. It says contain banned words and won't let you post it. No way. If you want to see a Chris Sky video on TikTok, you gotta write hashtag like Chris with two C's mm-hmm. or like Chris Sky with two Y's. And that's how people get around uh, the ban and the algorithm. Sheesh. How, how do you fund all this? <laughs> I don't. We've been running <laughs> everything on a two-string budget. Like, I, I sell my books. I sell my merch when, we, when we're when we on how, tour. How do you sell your books? All, in, like, in person. Yeah, stuff. they banned me off PayPal. They that's made sure they I, I couldn't is. sell my shit anywhere. That the only way crazy. I can sell it is in person. They even seized, like, 5,000 of my books from a warehouse. Like, everything they can to try to stop me, they can't. They got me banned off PayPal. PayPal seized my money. So I literally had to just I, when I go to events, I sell my merchant stuff in person. Uh, I still collect the salary from my business, which helps. Uh, otherwise, that's why I don't trust any of these people that have all this money. Like we mentioned Andrew Tate before. He supposedly has $400 million. He has so much influence on the world, and he talks. But what has he actually done? Mm-hmm. Absolutely nothing. If I had a fraction of his money, I'd already be the prime minister of this country. Mm-hmm. And, I would, and same thing with Elon Musk. This guy's got billions and billions of dollars. Thank you for giving me my Twitter back and all, but... Uh, what are you doing with those billions of dollars? Like yeah. I struggle to do things and get things done, and we got like no money. We just got enough money to get from point A to point B, feed the people I gotta feed, stay in a freaking shitty hotel Have they for froze the night. Your bank account yet? Oh yeah. Wow. Uh, so got, huh? Royal Bank. Royal Bank, which RBC? is a direct RBC, is a direct partner of the World Economic Forum, and they didn't like that I became partners with a business that has a lot of influence in TV. It's like a new TV network that was going to help small businesses. Oh, so they froze? They froze you out of pettiness. Bro, I sent a wire transfer to this business. Didn't say why I was sending it. You don't have to, yeah. especially when you're sending it to a corporation. Mm-hmm. And I sent it. I got. They said everything's fine. A day later, I got an email saying that the wire transfer cannot be completed unless I provide an invoice exact stating exactly what it's for. So the guy that was uh, that I, that had the company got pissed off and he's like, "Fuck these guys!" <laughs> so he wrote that it's a partnership <laughs> and he's going to be making me a partner in this company. Mm-hmm. And he sent it to them, like, out of spite. It's because they can't really stop it. Like, what are you going to say? Oh, no, I'm not allowed to be a partner in this guy's company? Like, yeah, how do yeah. you have any control of that? I'll just take the money and give it to him another way. So they let the wire go through. Then the next couple of days, I went to the RBC, and they tried telling me they couldn't recognize me. Of course not. They knew exactly who I am, but they couldn't recognize me, and they couldn't verify my identity. And the only ID I had on me was my Ontario health card. And they said, you created the uh, – they go, we're not trying to be assholes, but you created this account with your uh, – passport so bring it into the uh, bring it into an rbc and you'll be fine so i went home and grabbed my passport went to the rbc they still tried to tell me they couldn't identify me even after i gave them a passport so now i started getting pissed because i knew this was like some kind of targeted shit so i go that's it went back home grabbed every id i had her ids she's a u.s citizen so we had her u.s passport her canadian driver's license our marriage license had a lawyer on the phone went to a different rbc so we would talk to a whole different person They still said they couldn't identify me. Mm -hmm. And then they told me that they knew this was ridiculous. So they wanted to help me. So they took my IDs and they went into the back room and said they were calling the fraud department. In reality, they called the RCMP and tried to say that I was causing a disturbance in the bank to try to have me arrested. They
0: backstabbed you like that? Yeah,
1: then the RCMP showed up and they're like, what's going on here? And they saw me just sitting there. I wasn't sitting, talking to anybody or doing anything. And I'm like, they said they were trying to help me. The lady took all my IDs and said she's calling the fraud department. But apparently they called you instead. He's like, so why are you still here if they don't want you here? I'm like, have her give me my IDs back and tell me that they're not going to help me like they just told me they were going to help me, and I'll leave. So that she made the lady give me the IDs back, and he's like, this is ridiculous. I'm like, are you still going to pretend you can't identify me while the cops are here identifying me? And, they, and they're like, no, we just want you to leave at this point. So I left, and the cops were like, this is ridiculous. You should complain to the uh, ombudsman, which is the banking regulator. So I did. And then the very next day after I complained, RBC got back to me and they verified my identity over a Zoom call. (laughs) And then the very next day after that, they told me to come pick up my
0: money and close my accounts. Yeah. Yeah. So it just seems like everywhere you go, they have a poster in the back with your name on it. Do not serve.
1: It's funny that you say that because when we were on tour and we have to go to random hotels, when we got to Thunder Bay, Ontario... I went into the hotel and the manager and the owner of the hotel was an Italian guy and he knew who I was and he was like a fan of mine. He's like, I'm not supposed to show you this, but let me show you something. Uh. And he showed me an email that he got all the hotels. Every hotel in Ontario got an email. Telling them not to let me stay there.
0: That is crazy.
1: And he showed it to me with his own it's eyes. It's funny
0: because we everybody knows how illegal that is, but Shh. who's gonna say anything? You want to keep your job. He wants to keep his exactly. job. Exactly. Nobody's so gonna say that's anything. that's how they get away with it. And nobody wants to be lab- labeled as a tattletale. That's right. That's how they got. And that's how
1: Flair got away with banning me. If I go to Flair Airlines right now, I'd never flown on Flair in my life. Never. I went and tried to book a flight on their website. You put my name, Christopher Sakocha, mm-hmm. August third, nineteen eighty-three. Hit book. It just gives you an error and the same page reloads. You wow. change one character of my name or birthday, it goes to it the
0: works. next page and asks you what kind of baggage you want. Now after I, w- I went to kind of off topic, I went to I was flying to Vancouver last year for, for my whole podcast and stuff. It was my first time using Flair. Flair, I don't even blame you. Like you shouldn't even be mad not being able to fly with Flair because they charge you for fuck for everything, everything, your luggage, your backpack, whatever's in your pocket, just whatever you have on, you get charged for it Bro, all. Bro,
1: they wanted to charge you to check in at the airport. Th-
0: yeah, like, they who char- does that? They
1: charge you for check-in. <laughs> and then after I checked in and they charged me for check-in, they told me they couldn't verify the credit card I used to book the flight. Jeez. So I called Visa right in front of them and had Visa verify it for them. Yeah. So then they got scared because they thought they're going to get in trouble. So they let us through security and even didn't let us pay for our bags. It was nice of them. Then when we get through security, me and her eat lunch, and we get a phone call on the on the live speaker to come to the boarding gate. The intercom. And, and they yeah. tell yeah, they tell us that uh they're not gonna honor our reservation after all, and they made me buy the same flight I had just paid for
0: in order to get on the plane. Sheesh. So how do you like that, man? I mean, nah, he's, that's I, I I don't understand. It seems like what I like about you, the world's trying to silence you, or the country's trying to silence you as much as they can, but. You keep opening up the doors, giving yourself more opportunities, which is crazy because a lot of people would have given up by now. That's what they want to do. I got to give you kudos there.
1: That's the only way they can beat you if you give in. And it doesn't just apply to me. It applies to everybody. Oh, yeah, they yes, can't sir. do COVID to you unless you gave in and put the mask on yourself, injected yourself, closed mm-hmm. your business. And they can't do the climate change garbage to you unless you allow them to build the 15-minute city around you. You allow them to track your personal carbon footprint. You allow them, uh, mm-hmm. you you volunteer for the digital currency and the banks are trying to make people do the digital identity right now. Mm-hmm. TD Bank, I made go viral because they gave their customers a long, uh, a long policy change thing that stated that they're bringing in the digital ID and you're automatically accepting it unless you opt out yeah. and then they put a KV that if you opt out you will lose your services and your bank card and crazy. then when i made that go viral td is trying to do damage control and tell people it's not what it seems of course cool. crazy
0: i don't even want to get too much into that because i'm with td god knows what happened to me but um my my last question here that i got for you is um out of all the interviews that you've done uh in your past three years three four years on your big rampage uh what, what would be your least favorite and why my least favorite. Your least favorite. Uh,
1: possibly Rebel News. Rebel News. Because is I that got still up. It's up there. So when I walked out on them, because this is after, because I used to love Rebel. And let's be real, Rebel was a good company at one point. They used to get all their funding from PayPal and YouTube. So they had to rely on their users. And that's when they uh, were putting me and her on there virtually every week. And we were getting them a lot of views, bringing them a lot of funding. And they treated us very well. They covered our protests fairly. They covered our events fairly. And Ezra even did like a 40-minute piece on me where he called me the Jay-Z of Canada, the hero we need, whether we know it or not. And he'd like big me up better than anybody. Yeah, yeah. And then they invited me into the studio for an interview, uh, which I had done many times before. So I went in, and this time it was just like a different uh, different energy. And David Menzies, who was a good friend of mine, or so I thought, started the hit piece on me, uh, basically trying to throw me under the bus for, for the PPC and what happened with Ottawa, and then they tried the whole Holocaust denial garbage, yeah. and I ended up having to walk out of the interview. And then I found out right after the fact that they had gotten kicked off of PayPal and kicked off of YouTube, so they had a whole new source of funding. And whoever that new source of funding was was trying to make them more like a mainstream media news outlet, aka fake news, mm-hmm. and didn't want them associating with people like me. Like right now, I bet Rebel won't even cover that I'm running for mayor.
0: That's crazy. Meanwhile, they would cover if I was having a protest before. See, that? Um, I'm going to start wrapping this all up because... I didn't I didn't think we'd be talking for this long and my batteries are running low. Where, for people that are trying to get in contact with you, trying to find you, your socials, because it took me a while to find. It's your very socials. hard.
1: They banned most of my stuff. I just got my Twitter back. If you, uh, type let Chris people Skye's, know where to find you. If you type Chris Sky's Twitter in Google, it'll pop up, because uh, it's called, it's under my uh, my real name, Chris Sokocha One, and people aren't going to be able to spell that. But we do have an email. I want everyone to take this email down. This is the email for our campaign. So if people want to volunteer, if people want to donate, if people want to get involved, it's Chris Sky. For change, F O R change, at mail.com. Chris, C H R S S K Y, for change at mail.com. Yes, and everybody sir. knows my phone number. Yes, it's 416 400 triple nine four and everybody that thinks it's crazy for me to give out my phone number yeah at one point i was getting over 1100 phone calls a day it was ridiculous and i still have all the instant messages and text messages and everything today but if i didn't give out my phone number especially when they delete all my social medias and everything else i would miss the one out of those ten thousand phone calls that was the one that was critical for my success because nothing i do i can do on my own everything i've done I might be the face. I might be the guy at the front of the line, but I have amazing people behind me. I have amazing people beside me, and if it wasn't for the whole team I have with me, there's no way I'd be able to accomplish what I've accomplished already, and there's no way I'd be able to accomplish what we're
0: going to accomplish. Yes, sir. I want to thank you for coming on. I want you to know every time you're in E-Town, you're in Edmonton, I'd like for well I guess I have to hit you up because your your phone's probably going crazy as we speak. But you know, as soon as you hit me up, I answer. Oh yeah. So whenever I find out in your city, I'd love to have, or in this city, I'd love to have you back on.
1: I'll be back. Yes, I'm not going to be uh, I'll be back cuz I got a house here with my dogs. So even though I'm going to be spending the vast majority of my time in Toronto for the campaign, mm-hmm. I am going to be going to Belgium to speak at the parliament and Jeez. I will be coming back to Edmonton today. Like-
0: well, I want to I wanna say good luck with everything you got going on. Thank you for coming on. Is there any final questions you want to ask me before I wrap this all up? I'm good, brother. I just thank you for a very professional and courteous interview. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And one thing I, I really did my best, I'm pretty good at, is not involving feelings. That's, yeah. that's not something that's really in my nature, unless you unless you say something wicked. Yeah. But even then, I'll talk to you uh, uh, like off camera rather than on camera. Makes more sense. Though. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, thank you for coming on. Again, whenever you're back in the city. Please, please, please come back on. It'll be my you problem. know where I live now. Don't give the address ah, out. <laughs> Don't worry. Your, your secret's safe with me. <laughs> it's your boy Convo with Marlo. And Chris Guy. And I'm out.